0: choosing the correct tenants for your rental property on today's episode.
1: You are listening to the Champion Hustle Podcast. Play to succeed in business and in life. Featuring Levi Hunsaker and Ryan Black.
0: Hello there and welcome to the Champion Hustle Podcast. This is episode number 63. My name is Ryan Black.
1: And my name is Levi Hunsaker. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Levi. Yeah, so uh before we get started, I want to remind everybody that you can jump into our 7-day quick start boot camp, absolutely free. Just head on over to championhustle.com and this will give you 7 full days of content and uh we we call it Champion Action Time, so we've got some some kind of uh help some what would you call it supplemental material to the videos. To kind of help you go through and get clear on your next steps in your business, how to, you know, take your first steps or your next steps and level up your business wherever you're at. Yep.
0: So, and what was that URL again, Levi? Please
1: let us know what was it. Oh wow, we just we just went uh, <laughs> full on. I feel like, uh, come on down to the Price Is Right. <laughs> I would love to go. I would love to be
0: it. Would you? would you love to be an audience <laughs> member on that show? I think that would be it looks like so much fun, right? Let's Everyone's go do screaming. it. It's in LA, right? Isn't? It, isn't it Los yeah.
1: Angeles where they film it? I, I think so. Road trip. So uh, that website is <laughs> championhustle.com and it's right there on the main page, as well as all the links to uh, all of our places where we've got our content.
0: Awesome. Cool. Cool. Cool so today is uh, is a fun topic you know and this is one that maybe if you know if, if you have rental properties or if you've been thinking about acquiring a rental property and you follow uh, you know financial news or I guess I guess any news it's kind of everywhere with <laughs> the uh, you know the eviction moratorium there's been a lot of chatter over the last uh, well year over a year um, it, it, because people everyone has a different opinion on it but there's there's been a uh, you know eviction moratorium in place that uh, has affected tenants and has affected landlords and so we want to talk about that a little bit today not specifically about the moratorium but we want to come from the point of okay if you are a landlord or you want to be a landlord then um basically you want to make sure Regardless that you got the right tenant in there. So we've got some some tricks and some tips for you, things to consider um, so that you can make it a smooth as smooth process as possible. because you know in realistically every single investing strategy in real estate, it has its pros and it has its cons. And so uh, we want to you know make sure it's a more of a positive experience. Now one thing that that people may be thinking is, well, guys, I got a property manager. I don't need to worry about
1: any of that, right? <laughs> wrong. <True. laughs> what do you mean wrong? What are you talking about, Levi? So so that's the thing. A lot of people say, well, I, hired, I just hire somebody to do it. So that's cool, because you may not want to do the process yourself, but this is an area where a lot of people, I think, uh, have a false sense of security, because you still need to know what the laws are, you still need to know what your responsibilities are as a landlord, Because even though you have contracted with a property management company to do the work for you, you are still liable and you can still get sucked into a lawsuit if things are done improperly. So you still have to manage your property managers. You just don't necessarily have to manage your tenants if you have a property manager.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, and if anything, if anything goes down, guess who's on the hook? That would be you. Yep. Um, now the, the first thing before we get into specifics about, uh, you know, what some, some, some tips and tricks. First thing is it's so, so important to understand that you need to know and understand the laws in your area. Um, every state has very different laws. Counties have different laws. Cities have different laws. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, the, the thoughts that we're sharing are based upon the laws that apply to where we have rental properties, um, which is, uh, you know, here in Utah. And so uh, just keep that in mind, that wherever it is that you're wanting to invest, that's great. Make sure you understand the local laws that apply uh, in that city, county, and and state, because they are all different.
1: Yeah, and and we're going to be talking about some some big don'ts here. We'll get to the do's in a minute, because that's really you know, the meat of the episode, but we we felt like if we didn't talk about the don'ts, that would be a huge disservice to our listeners out there. So, you know, what are some of the the big don'ts here, Ryan? Uh,
0: well, the biggest thing is when when looking at tenant selection, you want to make sure that you are not uh, breaking any of the anti-discrimination laws. So there's, you know, there's the fair housing laws and, and things that, Basically, say you can't uh, discriminate or, or not select somebody to be a tenant in your property based on specific things. They're also referred to as fair housing laws. Um, and that would be something like, you know, by age. You can't, you can't say, oh, well, I don't want somebody that's older or younger in my property for whatever reason. Uh, you can't discriminate by sex. You can't say, hey, I only want men staying in this place or I only want women. Um, you can't discriminate by race. Say, I only want people who look a certain way or people who look like me or don't look like me to be renting this place. Um, a big one, and this is one that, that people uh, sometimes can make can get tripped up on, is family status. Um, because particularly newer, uh, newer landlords, people think, well, maybe I don't want to have somebody who's got little kids. Uh, you know, renting my place because the kids are going to run around and they kick the walls and they can damage things. And, and they're just, I mean, there are, if you have somebody who is a working professional who is at your unit (laughs) two hours a day, right? When they're not asleep versus somebody who's got, you know, five kids who are running around, uh, you know, destroying the place all day, there's a difference on what that's going to, how that's going to impact your, uh, your property, right? As far as wear and tear. Absolutely. But according to, uh, you know, fair housing laws, you cannot discriminate based on... That is
1: a major no-no.
0: Yeah. But people... But but the reason I'm saying is because people people want to. Yeah. Oh, how many kids do you have? Are you married? You can't ask those questions. Those are just discriminatory questions. Now, obviously, if you have a two-bed, one-bath apartment and there are 10 people that are applying, I'm sorry, this, this doesn't work. You know, there are certain, um, there's occupancy limits and those would be, uh, you know, determined by the city as far as, okay, look, this many people can live in this, in this domicile. Um, And, and in the, the application that you, that you have them fill out, uh, they will be required to list, at least we always require anyone who's over 18, they have Mm -hmm. to be a co-applicant. So I don't care if it's, if you're a boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're a married couple, if you are, you know, different, I don't care how you're related, your siblings, you are, you know, a parent and child.
1: They don't even have to be related.
0: No, you could just be friends. You could be, it doesn't matter. If you are over 18, you are a co-applicant for that, um, for that thing. And you do.
1: (laughs) All, all adults are on the lease basically.
0: Yes. Yeah, I don't care what your relationship is. Now, um, in this, once again, double check this on uh, your local area. Some areas will allow you to just say how many people in total will be living there, right? So we'll have these are the applicants that are adults, and then there will be, uh, you know, three minors or four minors or whatever, um, just to ensure that you're not going over occupancy limits on the on the property. But either way, it's. Be tread lightly. <laughs> Make sure you don't ask the wrong questions.
1: Well, and and even that, uh, the occupancy limit thing. If it's if it's a family of nine people and they are all related, I would even tread lightly on that. Like consult your attorneys and let them work that out. Yeah. Because uh, that's not a place to to start messing around with.
0: Well, and and one thing that's important to remember is uh, there's a difference between solicitation and simply receiving information. Yeah. So if if you're... There's a difference between me saying, hey, okay, Levi, you're interested in running here, so tell me. You know, you're married, you got kids. How many kids you got, right? That's me soliciting the information for him versus if Levi just is walking through, and man, this is a great place, I'd love to rent it. Yeah, you think this will work out for you? And Levi tells me, oh, yeah, you know, I've got... I got 37 kids um, and, you know, I mean, this is great. We can, we can put, you know, 14 in here, another 10 here, like then now granted going back to it, I can't discriminate based off of that information. I, I don't think my one bed, one bath apartment is going to meet his needs with 37 kids, <laughs> but, but, but there is a difference if somebody just divulges information to you. You're not soliciting it so you don't want to solicit it and
1: just keep in mind if
0: don't yeah i'm yeah. not an attorney but <laughs> you don't want to go down that road
1: yeah so some Who other else? big ones um what have we talked about we've talked about fa- well we're, we were still talking about family, family status, status. Yeah. so uh religion that's just you know a big no-no um yeah. uh, it, it's it's kind of the the family party rule right if you don't want to start a fight, don't talk politics and religion. <laughs> um, so just shy away from that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything. Never mind. We're not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I mean,
0: and this is something that I've that we've dealt with where you know people will ask us, um, you know, when they're looking at the at the property the, to rent, they'll say, okay, you know, is there a, uh, you know, is is there a church nearby and and, and our response is like, well, yeah, there's, there's quite a few, you know, there's a church here and there. And, you know, there's different, uh, you know, denominations there's, you know, this religion here and that religion there. And, you know, I'm not really sure you can Google it, but I know there are quite a few churches around in the area. If you guys are interested in participating with one of those churches, there are quite a few nearby, but like, we don't dive into it. I'm not going to ask them <laughs> what religion are so, you? What are your beliefs? Which, yeah, like
1: <laughs> I so, ain't going there. <laughs> Uh, I guess kind of a caution in this area is there are people that are um, considered to be professional tenants. And professional tenants will, like, kind of try to spur conversations in a certain direction so that they can claim discrimination or other things. So just don't mess with it. Like, the, the reality is if somebody is religious they know where their churches are in the area. If they're looking for a place to live, they already know. Yeah. So that's just not a conversation that I'm going to mess with with tenants.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that professional tenants uh, because that's really, I mean, most people, yeah, they're just looking for a place to live and they're happy that you've got a nice place that's a good price,
1: right? Clean, safe, affordable housing.
0: Yeah. Most people are really cool about that and they're, oh, great. That's why we are so, if you're thinking, man, you guys seem really paranoid. Um, Professional tenants are real. And guess what? (laughs) I've had professional tenants before. (laughs) They're not fun. Uh, They're not fun to deal with. And so that's why we're kind of throwing caution to the wind with all this stuff. And they will try to manipulate you to get you to ask the right, you know, ask the wrong question. (laughs) And they'll try to get it out of you because then they can use that against you. And basically stay there for free. That's some yeah, people's and, MO. That's how they do it.
1: And the, the the idea here is not to get stuck in the negatives, right? We're talking a lot about, about the don'ts and things to watch out for. Um, but honestly, we believe that rental real estate is one of the best ways to build wealth and to keep wealth. Yeah. Um, there There are a lot of tax advantages and things like that. So it's more about how do you do it? and minimizing the risk because there's risk in all investing, right? And there's really, there's risk in everything. There's risk in life, but we want to minimize that so that we can gain the most benefit out of it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, another thing to to keep in mind that's important with all this conversation is that there are landlord-friendly states and there are tenant-friendly states. Yes. And the difference is, between those two is basically are the laws designed to favor or give a, a you know a, a leg up to if there's a situation to the landlord or to the tenant some of the um, you know some of the tenant the tenant friendly states if you have a professional tenant, they could live there for a year for free and there's not much you can do about it especially if you do something wrong <laughs> and so um yeah it's figure out what state you're investing in. Is it, is it landlord-friendly or tenant-friendly? And, um, and just keep that in mind.
1: Well, and on that note, if you're in a tenant-friendly state, I would consider investing elsewhere.
0: <laughs> that would be my personal opinion as well. I have just, zero interest. I'll just throw interest. that out there. <laughs> there. Guess what, guys? There are 50 states in the union. <laughs> there are a lot of opportunities, a lot of other states, wherever it is you're thinking, well, I got to invest here. No, you don't. There are lots of other places where you can invest great opportunities, great returns, um, that are landlord friendly. So,
1: yeah. That was kind of an aside, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, some other big ones, uh, Americans with disabilities act. You got to make sure that you are providing accommodations for disabilities and other, other things. Um, you have to, you know, learn how many units you, you have to have. Like, for example, if you have a single family home, um, and you only have one, you might not have to put in like a wheelchair ramp, but if you have 50 properties, there might be an expectation in your area that you are accommodating to disabilities in, in your rental real estate portfolio. So, you know, Make sure you're you're complying with the Americans with Disabilities Act. You want to make sure that you're accommodating and that you're not discriminating against people that just don't have it. But there are some limits like the the mom and pop uh, people that just said, oh, hey, I have this one rental property. You know, there there are different requirements. There may be different requirements in your area based on how many properties you have.
0: Yeah, because I mean, there's obviously there's there's certain lines where of, of reasonability, right? It's like you got the unit that's on the third floor of a building. Uh, maybe you got a condo, right? It's on the third floor. There are no elevators. And you got somebody in a wheelchair who says, I would like to rent that. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure how how this would work for you. You know, you, you can't really take a wheelchair up three flights of stairs. And, and logistically, we, we can't add a, an elevator. We can't do a ramp. So... If if you're ever in a situation where you're not sure, consult an attorney.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, because they're gonna keep your your butt out of hot yeah. water.
0: Yeah, or if, if your if your gut you know go with your gut. If your gut's telling you, man, something here just doesn't feel the, doesn't feel right. Make a phone call. Right, we know that real estate is a team sport. You got to surround yourself with other professionals, other people that can support you, and. Let me tell you, a little bit of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, as the old adage goes. So, get yourself surrounded with the right people. Any other big discrimination ones? Um uh,
1: yeah, a, a big one, kind of along with that disability is service animals. Mm. So, you cannot disim- Oh my goodness, I can't talk. You cannot discriminate against service animals. Now, what does that mean as a landlord? How do you there are people that that try and skirt this and say oh it's a service animal now the reality is not all service animals are documented because not all states require service animals to be documented so great they have no proof and even if they did you couldn't ask for it so there are i think there are two questions now consult your your professionals on this but they're are only a couple questions you can ask about service animals. One is, is it a service animal? (laughs) The second one is, well, what function does the service animal provide? That's it. Which doesn't tell you anything like as a landlord, it doesn't tell you anything. Now there are people that, that will mess around with this, but keep in mind, put it in your contracts that the owners are still liable for all damage of a service animal. Yeah. Now, the reality is service animals are some of the most well-trained dogs on the planet. And, and if somebody tells you they have a service animal that's an iguana, that is false because dogs are service animals.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, there, and it's important to understand that there's a difference between service animals and emotional support animals. Yes. So a service animal would be, you know, maybe uh, somebody who is blind. And so their service dog helps them stay safe when they're walking down the street and you know, they're a guide, like a guide dog, a seeing guy, a guide dog is a service animal. Um, and they typically have like the little vest and I mean they've got paperwork and they're very highly trained. The emotional support animals are more for not for as much uh, physical limitations as they are for more of emotional, uh, emotional support. Well, hence emotionals, right? <laughs>
1: like they're anxiety um- and things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Emotional, uh, situations versus more physical, uh, maybe limitations that the individual has. So,
1: um, one, just, yeah. And, and I mean, the example you gave is, is a pretty obvious one, right? If somebody right. is, is blind, they need some help getting around. Um, yeah. maybe one that I've heard about that is a little less uh, obvious is somebody that suffers from seizures. Yeah. Um, they're, their service animal basically will protect them and keep uh, people away. They know how to, to handle a person having a seizure and they serve that function for the person. Yeah. Now, unless they're having a ser- seizure, you're going to be like, why do you need a service animal? Yeah. The reality is it's none of your business <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, is what it comes down to. That's the thing I want to yeah. point out here is there's not a lot you can ask because that gets into medical stuff. Right. And so you, you just have to, to know that service animals you cannot discriminate against. Yep.
0: Okay. Um, should we talk about some, some dues now that we've ran? Yeah, I think, I think I think we've beat that
1: to death a little bit. But okay. uh, we just want to emphasize it's important to know what you're doing yeah. and, and why you're doing it. And just stay out of these areas and, and check your local laws in, in your area because... They're different from place to place. Another one that I thought was weird in Utah was source of income. Yeah. Like, I. why would I care about the source of income? I definitely wouldn't, in, but it's obviously. <laughs> Unless they're dealing drugs out of my house, which is illegal activity, then that's what matters.
0: Which, well, yeah, which that is prohibited, right? Right. And that's in the lease agreement anyways that they can't, they can't participate in any illegal activity in the house. Otherwise, that's uh, cause for for uh, eviction. So, right. And that, yeah. Now, one thing that's, that's important to keep in mind. We've talked about you know the discrimination. Regardless of of what requirements you're putting for your uh, you know for your rental, you want to ensure that you are applying the same uh, metrics and the same requirements across the board. That's where, um, that's where you can really just keep yourself protected and keep yourself in a good spot, where you're, you're very clearly and where you can show, look, these are my requirements as far as you know, qualification for the applicant. These requirements I'm applying equally to every single individual. Yep. And that, that is what, where people can't, it, give, it, it avoids the claim of, well, they denied my application because I'm this color. Or because I'm this situation, like, nope, you didn't. These are my qualifications. This was your application. You did not qualify because of this, this, and this. So and document everything. Yes, keep records of everything. Um, Some some people would call it plausible deniability of being able to say, "Hey, I'm clear." I call it CYA.
1: I, I don't like the term your plausible deniability here because uh, usually that's, that term is ne- used in a negative connotation where okay. you, you actually did know, but you, you want to make it seem like you didn't. So the reality is you just, it, it's the CYA. You are yeah. basically coming up with a system, a consistent process yeah. of how to handle this so that you are applying your criteria for renting your property equally to everyone. Period. That that's being fair about it. Yep.
0: Okay. So in um, you know in the, the 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 listing that you have for the rental, obviously it's important to ensure that you have accurate information, complete information. That the uh, you know the photos clearly display and showcase the uh, the space that you have for rent. That you clearly outline. It's important to clearly outline the qualifications for renting. Right. Um, obviously you'd say how much it is per month. Uh, but it's important to, you know, look and say how, um, you know, what kind of a security deposit is the minimum security deposit that is required that can be, um, there, at least here in Utah, there's flexibility as far as you can charge different levels of security deposits dependent on the level of tenant risk. So if they have, uh, depending on their you know, credit history, depending on their uh, employment history, their, um, their eviction history, their income level, you can, you can offset risk by increasing the amount of uh, security deposit that you require for the tenant. It, um, if you have a, and it's important to have a sufficiently sized security deposit because if—and um, we've done this where we've had tenants who were very high-risk tenants— and, um, you know, we told them, look, because, because you're, uh, you have this eviction history, um, then according to our parameters, that means we, you know, we can rent to you. but We will require a much larger security deposit in order to cover, um, you know, eviction fees and such if that becomes necessary. Now, if you pay on time and complete your lease, you get all the money back. It's a deposit,
1: right? Well, and, and you so- don't damage the, the property.
0: Right, right. But the additional amount that was required specifically because uh, to cover, basically to cover legal expenses in the event that we have to evict, yeah. Um, and so they they understand it's I'm not I'm not discriminating against you. It's your you fit these parameters. Therefore, the process that I have requires that I charge an extra this amount to cover legal expenses. So. It's applying the same parameters to everybody. Security deposit's a big one.
1: Yeah. And so another big one is in this application process, right? They're going to fill out all this information. Um, You might want to consider charging for that application. Yes. So uh, we're not talking about a massive fee. We're not talking about hundreds of dollars, but like 15, 20, 25 bucks for the application. Yeah. Well, then you're going to start weeding out the the merely curious and dealing with the people that are more serious about renting your place yeah
0: it really can help weed out a lot of people because if you're having to pay 10 or 20 bucks to just fill out the application it's going to weed out a lot of just window shoppers to people who are more serious another another thing that um you know that i do is is i tell people um you know, after you fill out the application, uh, I let them know, Hey, uh, we're going to require a, you know, background checks. We're going to require, a, we do a credit check. We do a 50 state eviction check. We do a, a background and criminal history check. Um, and, and so, and we're going to do that on every applicant, meaning everyone who's over the age of 18 and it's about $55 is what it costs for us to do that, all those checks. Um, we're gonna do those and then you are going to pay for it. So we actually require them to pay for their check. And by doing that, they then tell us they tell us, okay, yeah, yeah, we're good with that. And then we send them a link, and then they, you know, it's all online. They fill out the payment information and then and then it runs the, the, the checks. The good thing is, is since they're paying for it. If they know they've got you know, 27 evictions in the last year, they are not going to <laughs> go through with it. They're <laughs> not going to waste our time. We're not going to waste their time. And we've had where uh, with tenants where they've told us, OK, you know, my, my uh, background check is going to bring up this and this and this. Um, you know, do you think that's an issue? And we've said, oh, no, yeah, it's, no, no worries. Uh, that's, not, that's not a deal breaker. Um, you know, you, you've got the income to qualify. You've got this, you've got that. Um, assuming everything else checks out on, you know, on our background checks, we should be good. So it helps to self, they self filter themselves out when um, they know we'll shoot the, the landlord's going to find out all this information and I have to pay for the test or not the test, the, uh, the, the check,
1: the check. Yeah. So, so the other interesting thing is between the application and the screening, you're, you're doing like a pre-qualification process. Like you're not going to have somebody go pay for the screening if you look, they look and they say, well, I've only got a hundred bucks to put down as a security deposit, and you require a fifteen hundred dollars security deposit. Absolutely. Right there, you're just going to say, look, uh, you're going to need to be able to bring some more money for rent and security deposit. Uh, maybe your income is is not where the at the level that it needs to be, uh, based on other expenses and things like that, and so. You might just say hey look this isn't really a fit right now we're not going to have you go through this screening process um, because you you didn't meet the pre-qualification
0: yeah and and it's important and, so, and you bring up an important point there levi that um you know the qualification as far as income level they need to you know typically there's a certain percentage i mean you don't want somebody coming in and saying well i'm spending 80% of my income per month on rent. Yeah, I can qualify. Uh, do you like to eat? Don't you need gas in your car? <laughs> right? How do you uh, get to work? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, and obviously that, that number would depend on, you know, are we talking, a, is it a $600 a month rent? Or in your area, is it $4,500 a month rent, right? There's, there's big variance there, but you gotta figure out for your area, what is kind of the standard that uh, most, uh, you know, most people use as far as your, you know, your rent cannot represent more than, you know, 40% of your monthly income or, you know, 50% or whatever that needs to be. Make sure that you're under that threshold.
1: Yeah, And, and the nice thing is if you decide that threshold, you decide on that criteria, apply it to everybody, and then it's like, well, I didn't discriminate against you yeah we have we have a forty percent rent to income ratio yep you were forty six percent yeah, yeah. Uh, again it's this documentation and document your notes document your reasons uh for a rejected application document your reasons for an accepted application document it all yep okay Um, another thing is you might, if they say, yeah, I've got a pet and you're like, yeah, cool. We're, we're good with pets. Uh, but we do have a pet security deposit. And that's just to cover the the potential of any uh, damage that the pets cause because they do cause more wear and tear on the property.
0: And if it's, or you could also just call it an animal deposit because if they say, Hey, this is a emotional support animal, right? This isn't a pet. So might want to be careful with. Well, with that's the true. Sector. This is we have an, an animal deposit. Anytime there's an animal living in the domicile, um, because of the potential for additional. Well, I mean,
1: isn't that what a security deposit. deposit is too? I mean, right, we're but animals. it's an extra, an extra
0: deposit. <laughs>
1: yes, we do double very true. deposit. Yeah.
0: Um, what else? Oh, um, income verification.
1: Yes, don't don't just accept what people tell you on face value.
0: So when Levi comes to me and says, "Okay, um, so me and my 37 kids, we're wanting to live in your one bed, one bath apartment and monthly income. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got uh, varies between three to four hundred thousand dollars a month is my uh, my monthly (laughs) income. I I work here at the local restaurant and um, I'm a a dishwasher, whatever. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to verify that (laughs) and make sure that (laughs) that that is true. And so, uh, you know, when they provide, it's very simple. Uh, in With their application, obviously, uh, any applicant will provide references, which, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be all of his buddies. And what are they going to say? Like, oh, yeah, no, Levi's a horrible person. If I call him, hey, for the reference, Levi's a horrible person. Uh, he never pays rent. They're not going to say that. <laughs> and so um, in regards to verifying employment, it's important you simply, uh, you know, Find publicly available inf- number for the company that they work for. Call them. It's because if he gives me his number for, you know, Joe Blow, who is his supervisor at this company, it could just be his buddy. And then he's like, hey, yeah. the, the guy's going to call you to verify, Ryan's going to call you to verify my employment. And I call, and oh, uh, you know, whatever. Figure out, make sure you're actually calling the company. Don't use, I never use the number provided by them. I figure out, <laughs> seriously. That's a, that's a pro tip right
1: there, guys. I mean, for reals,
0: because if we're dealing with professional tenants, that's what they will do. They will, they will get you. And so find a publicly, you know, available number call. And then it's just, Hey, I'm calling to verify employment. Um, they will then connect you with the right person and you want to find out, you know, does this, I'm calling to verify, does this per individual work for you? Okay. Um, According to the information that we were provided, they began employment on this date. Is that correct? Because that's the other thing is they could say, "Oh, yeah, I've been working there five years, and they started last week. Um, so there 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 are privacy laws and they're limited as far as what they can um, they can say, check with your local laws to figure out what questions you can ask when doing employment verification because that varies, but um, very, very important that employment verification. Cause if they're yeah. not employed, you ain't getting paid.
1: Yeah. So income verification, you talked about credit eviction, background, criminal history check. That's, that's kind of a paid service, but you mentioned, Hey, that's on the tenant because you just put them through a third party service to do that. Yeah. So we're not going to go do that. Um, we have tools and resources for that. We'll actually talk about a few of those here in a minute. And, uh, you know, Ryan was talking about referrals. Um, you know, they, they might have their buddy ask for personal referrals as far as like character referrals and things like that. But you can also ask for previous landlord referrals. Yes. So if, if they come out and, and this is, this is a hard thing. Not all landlords are going to be a hundred percent honest with you either, but it's still worth having that conversation because even just having the conversation, you can pick up on a few things. Uh, in their hesitation, in their answers and things like that. And so it's just kind of an indicator to maybe look a little deeper.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anything anything that a prior landlord tells you needs to be taken with a grain of salt, for sure. (laughs) Because, I mean, that may have been their worst tenant. You don't know the ethics of that landlord. You don't know the integrity of that landlord. And they may just be glad to just get that person out of their building. And so... Uh, You know, when you call, I was just, you know, did they pay their rent on time? Oh, yeah, they paid their rent on time. Okay. (laughs) You know, so you got to take, let's put it this way. If the prior landlord says nothing but glowing things about the tenant, take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) If the prior landlord says horrible things about the tenant, you can probably trust that.
1: Well, and take that if they're saying only horrible things about the tenant, you can probably take that with a grain of salt too.
0: Right. But if they say, oh yeah, the last out of, you know, four of the last six months, their rent was 10 days late.
1: Right. But they're backing it up with facts at that point. So that's the kind of stuff that you're looking for. And the other thing that you're looking for is if you ask a question and they're, they either like answer so quickly that, that, you know, they had no time to check records or they hesitate on something that should be a quick answer there there's something not quite right there yeah and that doesn't necessarily mean anything about the tenant that might ac- actually be about the landlord but it's it's definitely something to give pause and and go look a little deeper in terms of the screening of the tenant
0: yes yeah absolutely
1: absolutely so Okay, so we've got a few tools and resources now. Um, I don't, I don't know if you use these. I, I have a property manager. I'm not sure what tools they use, but these are ones that I've heard good things about.
0: I know a lot of the the bigger property management firms. They'll use AppFolio. That's a really popular one.
1: Yeah, but it's it's maybe a little more pricey because it's a bigger uh, for right. bigger firms. So, um, Cozy is one that I've heard a lot of good things about. Uh, gives a uh, landlords a lot of tools for even uh, screening tenants, as well as having tenants be able to apply and pay online as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Avail I've used Avail, um, that's worked out well for us. So there's, yeah, there's different different options out there. Yeah, you can use the Googles to find
1: <laughs> the Google. So, all right. So we we hope that we didn't scare you off by talking about the laws. It's just we we want to emphasize that that's really important, but more these are the things that you can do what we were just talking about in your screening process to make sure you, that you get a good tenant. I I can guarantee you that uh, waiting a couple extra months to find the right tenant is way better than putting the wrong tenant in and dealing with the headaches that that brings.
0: And, And another, you know, side note is, is it's, once you get the right tenant in, take care of your tenants. Yes. Keep them happy because guess what? Just like any business, this is a relationship business. It's a personal business. And when they when the tenants know um, you know, that you're you're on top of repairs or needs that, that come up and that you're, you know, concerned about their well-being and you want to make sure they have a positive experience, they will typically take better care of the property and and return that back to you. Not always, but uh, you know, if you're if you're a slum lord, <laughs> they're they're not going to be very happy with you. So, uh, you know, it's the golden rule, right? You treat them how you would want to be treated and and we have found at least that that um, that approach has worked really well for us. We we're we're very strict. Hey, look, these are the guidelines, this is the contract, these are the rules, this is what you agreed to. Um And at the same time, we're, we're, we're relaxed, we're flexible. We we're kind and we make sure that, that, uh, yeah, we we give a positive experience for those tenants.
1: Yeah. Because if you don't have to turn a property, there's a lot of stuff that you don't have to do in terms of expenses when it comes to turning a property. Yeah, absolutely. So keep good tenants in your properties, keep them happy, And uh, your landlord journey will be a lot more pleasant. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So next week, we're we're wrapping up here. Next week, come on back because we're going to be talking about giving the procrastination monster an uppercut. Oh, yeah. We will see you then. Until then, stay happy,
0: stay healthy, have a great week, and we will see you next week.
1: Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Champion Hustle podcast. For more great content and to join our online community, visit us at championhustle.com.
0: I like that champion hustle. That's a good look for you.
1: I think I might rip my eyebrows off when I pull these <laughs> off though. I'm a little worried about that.
0: I, I sure hope so. Let's get that on camera.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, Not too bad.
0: Oh, they didn't come off. Bummer. Maybe next week, next week, put super glue on it.
1: Ooh, no,